Welcome. Let's talk about urban planning. In this episode, we explore a topic that often goes unnoticed in urban planning, the role of young people in shaping today's smart cities. We have the pleasure of welcoming Simeon Shtebunaev from the Birmingham City University in the UK. He'll tell us more about young people's perceptions, their values, and key considerations for planners. We focus this conversation on the question, how can we shape the future of our cities with the voices of the next generation? I'm Rodrigo Silva. Let's talk about urban planning. Simeon, welcome. Hi, welcome, Dan. Thanks for having me on the on the podcast. It's fantastic. It's a very good question. I mean, I didn't have the framing, but that's a very good question. I think very pertinent question. And it's really nice that you opened it up beyond mm-hmm. just smart cities, but also just future cities as a whole, mm-hmm. because I think that's quite a key distinction as well. I wanted to ask you, and correct me if I'm wrong, uh, to give you uh, to start this conversation. So the main message of your article is the importance of engaging with young people in shaping future cities, smart city initiatives. Can you elaborate on that, about the importance of this research? Yes. So smart cities people might have been familiar with for quite a while, since 2010s. It became a visionary, an idea about a future city that took a lot of root, specifically with politicians and specifically with decision makers and budget holders. And um, there was a lot of pushback from sort of social sciences and urban planning where Some of those visions were very technocratic, very much rooted in efficiency, rooted in computer science, and there was a shift towards human-centric visions. But in that shift, that sort of multiplicity of voices of what does it mean to have a human-centric vision just kind of got lost, I think. And from my perspective, my interest was, well, who has the least amount of power in the decision-making process? When I set out on this research, I was really looking at citizens' power and citizen power relationship in the smart city context. And actually, when you start thinking, children and teenagers are quite often the least consulted, don't have enough financial power, don't have enough political power, they don't have a lot of the levers that maybe other groups of society could utilize in sort of getting their voice heard. So for me, that was really interesting. And I was thinking if I'm going to test smart cities as a vision for our future, youth is a is the bit that is really, really key to engage. And it probably in my view is if you're actually doing a proper future city vision, that's a good test to see if you're actually really engaging everybody because if, you know, if the ones without power engaged and yeah, that makes, makes the most sense. Of course. Sense. Yeah. I would, I would like to explore a little bit is what I just said. This question is twofold. Now I would like to go deeper into the relevance of the topic and under, understand specifically. So what was missing before and who are in your article, who are these young people? So who was the focus of your research specifically? So, well, as I was saying, there was a lot of research which emerged around how do we how do we actually construct smart city visions with people. So uh, you know, in collaboration and co-creation models. But when you talk about people, so that's where the kind of the research gap was. You know, it was about in- engaging people, but not which people, and also how. So for me, teenagers became a demographic which I've worked with in the past. I've been an educator in secondary schools and so on. And for me, that was a demographic which is really interesting to think about, okay, if we're talking about people-centered smart cities, we should be really be thinking as well, 
who were the people. So for me, that 15 to 19 year old group of young people who are just about getting their you know, citizen rights and voting rights and becoming uh, workers and you know, contributors to the economy, um, how are we actually engaging them in, in the creation of those visions? So that was very important. And I think that was the gap in the research, and it's still quite a big gap, I think, you know, when we talk about creating future visions, is, is how do you actually create an intersectional and intergenerational kind of body of, of, of collaborators to actually create that? So it's not just technocratic decisions and, you know, there is space for that. But when co-creation is considered, it needs to be intersectional. Okay. So let's jump into the findings. What can you tell us about that? Well, I mean, one thing which I always find quite surprising is when you actually talk to teenagers. So I talked to 121 teenagers across four contexts. So Manchester and Birmingham in, in the UK, and then Valencia in, in Spain and Sofia in Bulgaria. So there was a bit of a European context, but from uh, three different nations. Everybody talks about how young people are very digitally savvy. Actually, the perception of youth was quite negative about that. They didn't feel as, as confident. So it's really interesting that there was a key reflection about them being as users of, of digital technology and then actually, you know, creators. of. So what does that mean to the smart cities if you have a population that doesn't necessarily feel confident in using some of the smart tools? There was critical engagement missing in the urban realm. Uh, people were, uh, they weren't entirely sure about how to engage, what urban technologies are. But there were a lot of similarities, a lot of priorities such as health, safety, education, uh, which are all kind of missing from a lot of smart city models, were top priority for that generation. Also sustainability and post-anthropocentric models. So how do we engage different parts of you know, sort of animals and, and, and fauna and, and, and so on in the way that we plan the city? So it was really interesting to see how many nuances there were and how teenagers were really, really able to understand that there is a shift in the way that we plan our cities and how that shift is actually engaged, you know, being controlled, um, how that shift is being kind of channeled in funding and, and, and really kind of able to advise on that. I think that was that was quite surprising for me that there was a lot of nuance. A lot of people spoke about policies, especially in the UK, mixed communities and things like that came up and also talking about post-capitalist models as well, which was really interesting. Of course. And I, I would like to follow on that. I'm curious about now about the policy impacts because, well, they're teenagers, as you said, so, and because there's a geographical diversity, as you indicated, how do you see the policymakers or other actors using research like this to inform, to shape policies related to urban planning and development of smart cities? Yeah. So I think, I mean, there is a big myth that teenagers are not hard to connect to and to kind of engage. That's not true. If you actually go and ask them, it's quite easy. So I think one of the bits is actually when you start planning the process, think about who do you actually engage? How do you actually engage them? I think also for an individual level, there could be more critical engagement with the planning of the cities. So, you know, when a city vision gets announced, do people actually engage with that? And on an educational level, do, you know, do young people get thought about that? And I think for planners, I think when you actually start defining a project, that should be a demographic that you should be thinking about, okay, how do we include that? But I think there is a bigger issue as well. And we talked about the smart city domain that a lot of smart city visions don't necessarily rest with the planning and the urban planning departments. Quite often it's um, eco economists or technology, you know, tech departments that are actually dealing with the smart city planning, which even though it has a spatial element, doesn't necessarily kind of correlate with the planner. So I think there is another bigger question, which, 
maybe urban planning has some of those answers and it has done some of that engagement in the past, but we really need to be reaching beyond those silos and really be saying, you know what, actually, if, you, if you're going to be doing a, uh, a future city vision, which is going to impact spatially, we should be talking to all the people that, that live in the area. So I think it could be a nice welcome wake up call and also a nice cross section between um, to kind of start a conversation maybe with your colleagues in a different department or so on. Yeah, of course, it's so a bigger stage for urban playing and also teenagers as valuable. So their voices is more valuable than what people would expect. And based on this, I'm interested in the possibilities. So you touched upon this a bit. I'm interested in the possibilities that your research creates for future research. Mm -hmm. So in your opinion, what are now some promising avenues for further study in this field? How can, as you said, researchers and planners listening to this episode have a further understanding of youth engagement in smart city planning? So youth engagement as a whole in urban planning is an under-researched topic, so there is plenty there to kind of dig into. I think in the smart city uh, planning field, there is a lot to think about the digital tools that actually could be used. I think there isn't a lot of funding and a lot of research going into how do we actually create that interface between citizens uh, and the smart city or whatever, you know, whatever the smart city takes shape as. So there is there is opportunity there. There is opportunity as well to really kind of do a full-blown cross-national research beyond just three contexts to understand if the values are actually overlapping because in my research the trends were very very similar even though the context was very very different so there is some generational alignment around what the priorities um, are at that age so that would be something interesting to, to look at and also after covid i mean my research was impacted by covid so after covid there is a lot to discuss about how health has actually kind of risen up, up, up the priority uh, especially with young people so it's really really interesting to, to think a bit about okay all those visions that we developed about smart cities before COVID, are they still serving the same population and, you know, how are we going ahead with it? And I think obviously on the climate side, a lot of the young people are very, very sceptical about whether smart cities are the answer because they're saying, okay, that's fine, but, you know, it's still creating new emissions, it's still kind of dealing uh, with that presumption of growth. So actually, that was I was really surprised about that. But um, yeah, there is there are, there is research there to realign some of those visions and to really think critically about how we're testing them. So the next, whenever the next crisis comes, we're not necessarily having to scratch everything, but there are better frameworks. Yeah, of course. Yeah, and so with so many to explore still, research and not research. Are there any additional materials that for our listeners for our listeners would be interested in delving deeper into this topic? Yeah, I mean, I think one of the bits, obviously, is the special issue of the of the journal because this sure. is part of a special issue on smart cities. And there is actually, I was reading some of the other papers, and there's a really, really nice rounded view of, of what smart city literature is at the moment. Uh, we published at Birmingham City University some podcasts called Driver of Change, and one of them is on youth inclusion. So that's, that might be something accessible for people to, to listen to. And similarly, there is a podcast, Green Thinking, on the BBC3 which I was contributing to, which is about youth and activism. So if people are interested on that, that'd be another another angle to, to, to hear about. And maybe the Thought and Education Trust, that's another charity in the UK, which has been collating a lot of planners, architects, and other people engaging with young people um, and sort of collating a bit of a database. So that might be an interesting place for people to go and look and understand how they can engage young people in their own work, whether they're doing smart city planning or just urban planning more generally. Okay, it's very good. And if you are watching, uh, for those who are watching this episode on the Let's Talk About Urban Planning website, below you can find uh, the recommended materials that Simon just got us. 
including, of course, the thematic issues of some, some self-promotion, both from our part and uh, Simeon. So all the materials are uh, below the video of this episode. Simeon, let's wrap this episode up. What would you say is the key punchline or the main takeaway from today's conversation? So in a nutshell, what should our listeners remember and consider when it comes to involving young people in the planning uh, of future cities? I've worked with young people for the last 12 years, and obviously I've, I've been a young person before that. So one thing which I always think, and it comes very strong from the, from the paper, is young people are not a homogenous group. You know, teenagers are not a homogenous group. There is as much nuance and as much variety and complexity in that group as in any other. And they are also capable of generating variety and complexity and a lot of nuanced opinions, which actually quite often are quite informed because, you know, with the knowledge economy, people are out there learning information from anywhere. So it doesn't matter what age they are, if they really want to, to learn something, they go and do it. So that's the one thing I would say, just shift your perceptions of teenagers, actually imagine them as a more complex and nuanced group and go and actually discuss some of those issues with them. You know, that's the main takeaway. Sure. Inspiring and promising. Simeon, it was a pleasure. Thank you very much. This podcast is powered by Cogitatio Press. You can listen to this episode on the Let's Talk About Urban Planning website, on Cogitatio Press YouTube channel, and whatever you get your podcast. <laughs>